Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast with Rob Wall. Today, I have my lovely girlfriend, Ruby, with me. Hi. (laughs) And we are going to have a little discussion about, well, I guess whatever comes up, huh? (laughs) Basically. Um, So, like... You know, let's take like this situation I'm currently in. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of guiding a, a friend through a, a process that, you know, they're currently going through, um, and you know, it's it's like the classic case of like, you know, I'm running out of time. You know, and like it's that existential moment that they're just like, oh my fucking god, everything fucking sucks. And, like, that just negative mindset and that, like, just pure, like, anxiety of, like, I don't know what to do. I'm worthless. This sucks kind of situation. Um, And it's, like, from the outside looking in, obviously, that's ridiculous. You're currently okay. You're not bleeding out. Like, mortal life is not in question here like you're totally okay this is something that you have like overthought which we all do and we all kind of have those moments of like existential crisis that you like break out with in like for like 20 minutes and then like probably like call somebody and like get over it but yeah that's currently happening right now and I don't know what else to say anymore (laughs) because I think I've ran out of positive things to say to this person well i mean that's definitely something i think that women struggle with way more than men because there's something to be said about a biological clock i think that's a you know 100 percent a real thing and oh yeah yeah so i mean you know you waste a lot of time messing around in your 20s and stuff and then yeah you know, it's it's can be quite fun for a while when the getting is good, but then like one day you wake up and you're you're not getting any younger, you know, and Oh, for sure. Like I think that what do you call it? That we were talking about this the other day that like when when you go to like halfway house, like, you know, that's like your your midlife quote unquote air quote. <laughs> like midlife crisis. And, like, I had my air quote midlife, cli- midlife crisis at, like, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had, like, that, like, whole moment of, like, oh, my God. Like, what have I done with my life? And I feel like that can happen when, um, let's say, like, if you're dealing, like, with addiction. Like, in our case, like, we lost a lot of years to using. Or, like, if you're, like, in a really, like toxic relationship like you can lose a lot of years to that kind of situation and I feel like when you realize the amount of time that you kind of spent idle or kind of like on like this co-pilot autopilot situation like it it's depressing when you think about it in like a large picture that way yeah I think to a certain extent too especially being an addict you know um you know, we may might be inclined to have like maybe a little bit crazier thought processes than the average person. <laughs> a <little> bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit more neurotic. But I think like part of it is the human condition, and yeah. 
you know, there's this um, tendency I think we have to never really question our own thinking too too much. Mm. You know, I, like that's just kind of something that I think has been lost in today's day and age. That's not there's not a lot of value on that, and so, you know, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, going through life never really thinking much into anything. You know, and and I think it takes some people a very long time to have some sort of existential crisis, where you know, the actually are willing to take a step back and try to, like, observe their life from a more objective standpoint. Oh, for sure. The thing is, is that, that I feel like that's always healthy in a way. Like, you want to keep, like, you know, objective goal about your life and you want to be constantly working towards something and, 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 and becoming a better version of yourself always. But there's also, like, you know, a point that it takes, like, a hold of you like it consumes you and then you're like sitting in this fucking like anxiety that's just like pure future focus future tripping overthinking like situation where now you're like grasping for straws because you feel like you're drowning but in reality you just need to stand up yeah there's also something to be said about the depth that we you know kind of dissect our lives and, like, try to look at everything from a different standpoint. And I think there's, like, uh, from what I've seen, you know, a lot of people stall out after, um, you know, starting, at, like, making a really good start, you know? They kind of fall into their normal routines, fall into their habits, and then there's kind of, like, there's less of a, um, like, a impending doom type of situation, like, hanging over their head, so they don't have to dig as, as deeply anymore and, you can fall into, like, the mind state of, like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm better, you know, and it's, like, better is the enemy of the best, and, you know, like, I don't know, I just, I, I think that, like, it's hard, it's definitely harder to stay motivated to do, like, this, these deep, deep, like, soul-searching type of stuff that we do early on, Oh, you know? for sure, because it's exhausting, <laughs> I don't know about you, but, like, when I first went through, like, the steps for the first time, my first experience with the steps, it was utterly exhausting. I wanted to literally fall asleep for, like, three days and, like, just not wake up at all. Yeah. Um, it, it was something that was just, like, I'd never transformed myself in that way. So, like... Even, like, just being open to, like, the slightest understanding that there is a spiritual world, like, I feel like that was, like, to try and connect with that constantly was just so exhausting for me. I was trying too hard also. I feel like now it comes a little easier because, like, there's, like, more experience and, like, understanding. Yeah. But it was, at first, it was just, like, gun-ho all the <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I think for me, like the very first time I went through the steps, it was like, it believe it or not, it really wasn't that that hard uh, for me to go through with the process. I mean, for me, the hardest part was making the beginning. You know what I mean? Because I just, um, you know, grew up hearing like, oh, you're you're really intelligent. You know, if you only applied yourself, oh, you could be yeah. some, you know, you could really <laughs> be something special. And, uh, you know, so I think I got it in my head at some point that, you know, I was the smartest guy in the room, even though my experience 
always showed that that was definitely not the case. Um, so I had to get like brutally beaten before I even made the the start. But like when I did finally make the start, you know, I I have like a a little bit of a self loathing issue. <laughs> You know, and so like I feel like <laughs> most people do though. I mean, well, you got like I think you get two extremes. You know what I mean? You For have sure. people that like really suffer from the self-loathing thing, and then you have like the narcissistic type of people. You know, sure. And maybe there's a little bit of an overcompensation thing that you know we do that all the time with so many different of things. Of course. You know, it's like especially when it comes to fear. You know, it's like if you're afraid of, of one thing, you tend to overcompensate yeah, for that fear by, yeah, like, you know, excess. Usually. Yeah, 100%. You know, like, uh, you know, if you have a fear that you are going to end up alone, uh, you tend to be pretty promiscuous because you're, like, <laughs> overcompensating. <laughs> I'm going to have hella yeah, options. Can't end up alone if I have 15 people on the hook, That's you know? facts. Mm-hmm. That's true. Or, or same with, like, if you have financial insecurity and you, like, work... 80, 90 hours a week so you can hoard uh, money for no reason. I got four jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wake up so early. I woke up at noon. <laughs> but, but yesterday. But yesterday. For today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, what you were talking about a little earlier, like, you know, being told about, like, you know, you have so much potential, da 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 like, mm-hmm. you should really, like, explore that. Like, I knew that, you know, I got kind of, like, skated by school. Like, I knew that I was pretty intelligent to just guess answers and shit and, like, you know, have good grades decently. Um, I was literally just skating by and, like, I was making, like, bare minimums and... You know, it got to a point where I started to show myself over and over and over again, like, how unmotivated I was. And I took that, like, I took that feeling of being unmotivated as that just being me. Well, yeah. Like, I identified in that, and I was just like, well, now I don't want to put it, I feel like I don't want to put in the work, so therefore, I'm lazy. So therefore... I'm a piece of crap. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's like on. the it's like the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization that the big book talks about. You know, it's like you you really deep down you really want to be successful. Like you want to be a certain way. Sure. But when you fall short of that, you know, instead of like taking a hard look at that and seeing how you're it's your fault that you're not living up to your potential. Yeah. It's much easier to be like oh, fuck all that, I don't want to do that shit. This is what I want to do. So you embrace the negativity because it kind of, it frees you from the responsibility of having to better yourself. The The problem is that that brings brings about a lot of pain and misery and, like, you know, you can only, you know, be willfully blind and, like, point the finger at everything and everybody else and blame everything and everybody for your pain, you know? How long can you really do? I guess some people can fucking do it forever. I know? mean, I know that it took me down a road that I did not do it for very long. Like, I, I'm a kind of person that, like, when I go down in the dark, it gets dark quick. Well, it's... Like, there is no street lights. <laughs> it's crazy to think about, like, like resentment, for example. Like, how, how long, like, 
it's possible to hold on to something like that. You know, like years. Oh, decades. Yeah, I mean, the, the only requirement being, like, every now and then, you know, you got to take it down off the shelf and, and take it out for a little ride and then, like, re- renew it, you know? <laughs> it's got a shelf life of, like, five or ten years, you know? <laughs> you gotta, you got to take it off and, and rehash again, it out again. Yeah, but you could always, you know, like, I feel like if you forgot for, like, 20 years, you know, and then one day you were just, like, you know, doing some meaningless task and it just popped into your head, you would, like, emotionally react, like, all over again. Or you could, you know? I mean, I feel like you definitely could, but I feel like if you also forgot about it for 20 years, that it doesn't yeah. result in such a reaction. Yeah, but it, I guess it depends on how much you let yourself think about it. You know True. Because I, mean? like, <laughs> I was about to say, know. I can make myself think about anything and work yeah. myself up. Seriously, you know, there, dude, uh, when I was a kid in the 90s, uh, Pokemon was huge, and so everybody was collecting Pokemon cards, and I had the holographic charizard card which was like the, oh my god yeah big deal you know was, <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I at the top Pokemon. of the dominance hierarchy <laughs> 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 and uh i was in summer camp and i had a i had like a a deck like maybe 50 of my favorite cards that i, I was using laminated book yeah i did too you know <laughs> but but we were in summer camp so you know there was there was a lot of other trainers, you know, and you, you never know. Somebody could challenge you to a battle, so you had to be ready. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, had to be. Yeah, so I had my little deck, and um, I was probably, I couldn't have been much more than 10 or 11 years old, but I put, I put, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I put the cards down, because we were probably playing some sort of game or whatever, and I got so excited, and I was a pretty... Uh, ADD type of kid so I, I forgot about him and I like walked away and then sure enough like I realized I left him there and I panicked so I ran back and I was like so relieved when I saw him but it wasn't until I got back that I realized when I like looked through him somebody found the deck and just took the fucking Charizard out of there no yeah. that son of a bitch That's you know <laughs> <laughs> rehashing the resentment yeah yeah, so if I let myself think about that, you know, next thing you know, you know, it goes... Fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, I'm mad for you. What the fuck? <laughs> yep, here it, here it is, you know, like 20 years later. <laughs> Completely <laughs> forgot about it. Brings it back. I mean, I guess we just proved our point right there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There's a method behind the madness 100%. here. 100%. <laughs> We're not off on a tangent about Yeah, I didn't just bring up Pokemon cards because I want to talk about Pokemon. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So. No, but man, I feel like this is a a topic that has been coming up in my life a lot, though. Mm. Just like all of these people having these existential crises, and I'm literally just like bro, you're alive today. Like, do you know what that means? Yeah, I think sometimes it's like a defense mechanism almost, you know? Oh, for sure. You know, you if you get used, if you get used to, like, operating at a certain level, you know, like, if you're always in, an, in, a, in crisis, and now, like, especially for the case of the addict, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of times in active addiction, like, you are legitimately in constant crisis in con- yeah in constant crisis it's not even just like money a, you gotta get the drugs yeah 
And so your body is responding in a, in a way where it's just like running at a 200% all the time because 100%. it has to yeah. in order to keep you alive. And, um, you know, you get sober and all of a sudden it's just like everything slows down and it can get really boring and your body doesn't know what the hell to do. So it's like you just whip up a crisis out of thin air. I feel like that was like one of my main struggles. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting in like sitting in the calm like that freaked me out because i'm just like where's the chaos i needed in my life (laughs) (laughs) like oh all these nice things that like i've acquired over time let's you know literally set it on fire because why not because we'll have more fun putting out the fire than just sitting and enjoying these things yeah i uh I had a therapist one time look at me and say, you know, you really like to create your own drama in your life, and then when it blows up in your face and you're miserable, you blame it on the planets being in trine with each other or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> or like Mercury's in retrograde. I was just like, how dare you tell me the truth about myself, you know? <laughs> Those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. That was like a gut punch because it was so true. Oh, for sure. Oh, those those therapists I feel like are always the best therapists, the ones that like piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> like those are the ones that like know you better probably than you do. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get under my skin, so I, you don't normally. Like, it's hard to get an emotional reaction out of me like that. It takes a lot. Oh no! You just gotta say something about my childhood, and I'll fucking snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I, I'm, I get very um, angry, easily. Mm-hmm. That's just side effect of PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, working in treatment, you gotta have some patience, because otherwise, you know, you'll end up killing somebody, probably. <laughs> oh, most definitely. I don't even know how many times in treatment I freaked out on a test. Mm. Especially this last time, I felt so bad. <laughs> yeah, I just had somebody, I had... A guy, like, you know, throw his arms out and kind of, like, bump his chest out at me. And he said, whoa. You know? Oh, for real? Yeah. That oh, dr- wow. Yeah, he's a hammer drunk, you know. Oh, yeah. He was trying to get him through his intake. And and he was, like, Jesus. he was, like, half my size, you know. So, like, I'm sure he probably wouldn't have done that if he was um, <laughs> sober, you know. But I just kind of. In his right mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I, I just bit my tongue, man, because, you know. It's a job, and it's funny because at one point he must have had like a, a like a fleeting moment of, um, you know, conscientiousness or whatever. Yeah. Um, like and he like him. looked at me and he's just like, "Why do you even work in a rehab?" <laughs> and I was just like, "I don't know, man. It's a job." And uh, <laughs> he was like, "Doesn't it suck? Don't you fucking hate it?" And I was just like, "I mean, it sucks sometimes." But sometimes it can be rewarding, and he was just like, I bet it sucks right now. <laughs> like, he was, like, acknowledging yikes. that he was making my life a yikes. Yeah. And he was just like... That's when you know they're really fucked up. Yeah, but I, you know, I said to him, like, yeah, you are making my life difficult right now, but that's happens sometimes, but the rewarding part of the job is in, like, two days when you're a different person and I get to have a whole new conversation with you, you know? That's, you know... That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Because that's normally yeah. when I start apologizing for people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I could tell it kind of hit him because he, he sort of like had a moment of like, oh, whoa, 
But then he went <laughs> Maybe right I back am to being an asshole. Yeah, but yeah, but then he went right back to being an asshole. <laughs> nah, not, not me. <laughs> Couldn't be. It's like that one moment where um, where the Grinch starts to like feel something, and then he's like, "Eh, fuck that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christmas still sucks. He's like, "Screw you! I'm gonna go lay on the floor, and um, swear at people." You know. <laughs> No, honestly, though, like, coming out of, like, I just, you know, everything that's been going on with my mom and, you know, you know everything this past weekend, it's just been a lot, you know? Like, like my brother with his dissociation issues and, like, <laughs> trying to make it seem like, you know, the bravado that we were talking about that's just, like, you know... It, it's a it's a lot it was a lot of different personalities and stuff to deal with um you know this past weekend and like honestly i really was seeing things from a different point of view i was really seeing things from like that like third person like non-biased and it was so weird to be that person because i've never been that person mm. so it was truly a weird I feel like it felt weird. It was definitely a weird experience being that person. But then it also felt, like, kind of good to know that, like, you know, I'm that person that, like, my family turns to. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it takes a little bit of getting used to that because, you know, normally in any time of crisis within the, like, family unit, you know, uh, in addiction, we're either absent <laughs> or, or we're or causing we're, the we're, issue. Yeah, we're either causing it or we're absent, you know, or we're there and we're making things worse, you know, it's yeah. like one or the other. 100%. Um, you know, like, I think that I was absent for, like, a lot of important stuff, you know. And not always, not always just because, like, not always just because I was, like, out, like, getting high. Like, sometimes it would be because, like, I was in treatment. You know, like how much I can't even yeah. tell you how many funerals and weddings and stuff I missed because I ended up in treatment again. You know. Yeah. So. I seem to always miss my cousin's birthday. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> and it sucks because it's like, like I what, love what this month shit. Is it in? <laughs> it's February. Huh. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like the holidays are a rough time for you know a lot of people relapse during the holidays so. I mean, that's February. No, yeah, my, my <laughs> shit is, um, I made it to the new year, let's get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's normally what yeah. ends up happening. I'd be curious to see, like, if they did, like, a, a mass statistic uh, of AA members, which I think, uh, in one of the videos I was making for the YouTube channel, is, like, uh, I had to look up the statistic. I think it's, like, over 2 million active members worldwide, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. Sounds right. Yeah, so <laughs> I just wonder out of those two million people, like, if we took a poll of, like, what month their sober date was in, um, you know, what, what, what kind of correlation there would be. Because oh, I wonder if there's sure. just, like, a popular month to get sober, you know, like a February or, like, a March, you know, like, after you yeah. screwed up the holiday season and you're, like, regretting life. You yeah. Know? Everybody's tired of you're your like, shit. You're um, like, um, or you're tired of your shit. Well, yeah, that too. That, that's <laughs> ultimately what needs to happen because 
if somebody else is tired of your shit, that does that really affect you when you're a selfish piece of shit? <laughs> Not really. That's facts. <laughs> honestly, I feel. I mean, I I told you. I, I mean, I've told you the story, right? That, like, you know, I went in for, like, all the wrong reasons, you know? It, mm. I was trying to salvage us and, like, yeah. you know, just appease everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got a real wake-up call when I got in because I, I don't think anybody was expecting that. Yeah. Like, when I think about it now in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done exactly what I did. <laughs> like, now when I think about it with, like, a sober mind, I'm like, yep, that would have... A plus B definitely equals C. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, but it's it's funny. It sounds so simple, but when you're when you're going through all that stuff, A plus B does not equal C at all. Oh, 100%. You're just like, A plus B equals X. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why. And I'm going to show you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just like you try to find... Um, every reason in the world that you can come up with why you might be an exception to the rule. And, like, you know, you, we very rarely are the exception to the rule, you know? So it's like you, you can waste a lot of time that way. Yeah, I mean, definitely towards the end, I was like, I am not an exception. Shit is fucked up. I just don't want to change it. Yeah, yeah, I think the last time it was like I, I just started taking... Uh, suggestions from like anybody who gave me one because that's the other thing it would be like I would take suggestions from a sponsor but if anybody else tried to call me on my shit I'd just be like fuck you you ain't my sponsor bitch. yeah you don't know? take my inventory <laughs> yeah that's why sometimes I'll actually I've like literally shared this at meetings before like uh, you know I could go to a truck stop and ask a homeless person. Yeah, you, you said know? that before. <laughs> yeah. Like, you go to a truck stop and ask a homeless person to make every decision for me for a year, and chances are, by the end of the year, my life will be significantly better. Probably. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I think, and that's in the third step. You know, it's like, we, we when we play the director, you know, mm. chaos ensues, and, um, you know... Obviously, the whole point of step three is to let God, you know, be the director, but um, I don't necessarily feel that we're capable of doing that when we first come in. So, um, Oh, definitely not. Yeah, so uh, like uh, <laughs> the best substitution we can come up with, like in the beginning, is the sponsor, you know, or, you know, or a therapist, you know, depending on your, your road my, to recovery. My house manager. <laughs> yeah, that'll work too. Yeah. At the time, it was my halfway house Speaking manager. of halfway house manager, I remember uh, talking to Christy about this concept, and uh, she uh, she had, you know, Christopher at the time might have been like six years old, more or less. Aww. Yeah, and, and uh, I had a theory. I wanted to know what would happen if, if somebody had a child make all the decisions for them for like X amount of time to see like where their life would be. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's... I think a child views the world in an interesting way. They don't have all the baggage that, like, adults have, you know, and, like, they obviously perceive things much differently than us. And so I was just curious to see, like, the problem is – and she gave me full permission to to do this experiment with Christopher. And, <laughs> um, I was going to do it, but at the time, I was having – I was having, like, a lot of, like – relationship issues and so he didn't want I Christopher didn't want to, to date yeah. me <laughs> I'd be like, yeah this is like six year old kid be like listen Christopher 
I really like her, but she sucks in bed, you know? Like, <laughs> she can't take a dick worth of shit. What do you think <laughs> I should do, bud? <laughs> oh, my God. He'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't think she would appreciate that. No. <laughs> Christopher comes up to his mom. Mom, why are you shitting in bed? Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could imagine that. Christopher being like, Mom, are you shit in bed? <laughs> yeah, I would be, yeah. Oh, my God. I'd be in trouble. Most definitely. Because she would be very upset. Yeah. She'd probably laugh her ass off, though. But, yeah, another thing that happened the first time I went through the steps is, you know, I, I really started to get the results. Like, not, it didn't really take that that long and so like there was this like really noticeable difference in like the way I was feeling and the way and and so there was sort of like a it's really hard for me to explain it but I would the closest thing I could I can compare it to it was like when when I had the spiritual awakening as a result of the steps you know at the time uh like right before the big bang I'll call it happened um you know I didn't think God was real you know, that was the equivalent of, like, magic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I had this, like, crazy spiritual experience and, like, it felt the presence of God for the very first time and, like, realized, like, in my eyes, you know, he, there was no doubt that he was real. You know, that was, like, the equivalent of, like, finding out that, like, magic was real. And so, you know, I, like, went about my my life like oh my god what else is possible <laughs> you know what i mean like all this time but i had wait, no idea there's more yeah and so you know i definitely started to do a lot of um definitely got into meditation pretty heavy and stuff like that and i definitely went through like a, an intense transformation but I don't know. Ultimately, I feel like I ended up getting myself in a little bit of trouble with that because, you know, I started to read a lot of different books and look into a lot of different spiritual concepts, you know. And then I ended up finding uh, Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox, which is a great, great book. Um, and there's a lot of really great things in there that I took from and I still kind of hold to this day. But one of the concepts that he talks about in that book was uh you know he he starts off the book by kind of like dissecting like organized religion and and he talks quite a bit of shit on it to be honest with you because <laughs> there is a lot of issues with organized religion um and so it kind of disarmed me a little bit because i was really closed-minded when it came to anything like that so when i read the introduction to the book and he's like shitting all over the catholic church and stuff like that i was like all right <laughs> you know like maybe i'll listen to what this guy has to say you know and um but then he like he kind of just draws you in with that but um you know he he tries to do like the the really the core message that's um in like the new testament of the bible and um he does a pretty good jo job on that and um one of the things he talks about is like in the bible Jesus Christ was the perfect, he was spiritually perfect, you know, mm -hmm. um, a spiritual genius, if you will. And, um, 
the reason why he did the he was able to do the miracles was because he was spiritually perfect and so the the theory that he was kind of putting out there was you know Jesus wasn't able to do the miracles because he was like the son of God he was able to do the miracles because he was spiritually perfect and if a, anybody was able to achieve spiritual perfection then the two would be able to perform miracles as well because it would just be a matter of like looking at somebody and knowing that they are made up of spirit and soul um that's separate from their material body and their soul is whole and pure and perfect and yeah. if you could realize that with 100 percent of your being it would just you know it, that's what it would be but um you know, I have a. It's pretty intense. It is. It's an intense theory, and it sounds cool, but I mean, in practice, it's it's you know, it's impossible. No, nobody's going to be spiritually perfect, and um, it's progress, not perfection. Yeah, but the you know, like here I am in early recovery with you know, still this gigantic ego, and like a very dangerous type of giant ego because now it's got all these new terms to use to like mask and hide behind it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it was easy for me to have a like a spiritual ego and um, you know get quite a bit of satisfaction in thinking I'm more spiritual than the next guy, you know, which is not spiritual at all. One hundred percent. Yeah, and so like you know, I read this thing and I'm like, oh, I could do this, you know, and like, so you know, I'm, I uh, uh, definitely bit off more than I could chew and. Um, never really got the dose of humility that I needed to, like, maintain long-term sobriety, you know? I feel like I've definitely been there, um, like, within, like, my first year and a half. Um, you know, I had that, like, big white light experience, and, you know, from that, I was like, wow, you know, I had that white light experience, and I've been fortunate enough to to, you know, be able to, like, talk about this, and, like, I was sponsoring people, and, you know, the, the ego was really being built. I went from this person that I didn't think that I was worthy, to now I think that, you know, you know, me and God are, like, Mm -hmm. you know, on the same level and shit, and, and, you know, it got to the point where I stopped even calling my sponsor, because, you know, she was pregnant at the time, and, like, she had things going on and that was just another thing that my, you know, that my sick mind told me. Like, oh, well, you know, she's busy, you know, let's not burden her. So, and I'm like, I can figure it out anyway, you know, I'm a smart person. I look at where I've gotten, you know, I've gotten out of halfway, you know, I, I've made good decisions for myself. Like, I think I can do this. And, you know, like, that's when you, like, start to take your will back a little bit at a time. Because it doesn't just happen all at once. It happens over time and you and you start to condition your yourself into thinking in a certain way um so you don't even see it fucking happening mm-hmm. and that's the crazy thing <laughs> is that to you suddenly this relapse happened <laughs> but like in reality like when you take it like two steps back you really see what actually happened mm-hmm. and it was like over this long period of time all of these behaviors promoted this kind of thinking, so therefore, et cetera, on and on. Yeah. And and I definitely understand what it is to be in that mindset of, like, I got this. 
<laughs> like, um, I've been doing really fucking good. Um, I'm super spiritual. I'm like, you know, God's favorite. So, you know, I'm definitely can walk through life with like, with no fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely thought I was invincible for a while. Yeah. I remember at one point, like, coming to this, um, I don't want to say conclusion because it's never concluded, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I thought of God as like a signal that's ever present and like, you know, as an addict, our antennas are broken, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like the 12 step process is a process of fixing your antennas and then you tune in for the very first time. You know, because it's like, I mean... an interesting uh, analogy that you just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, like, I I definitely had a moment where it was like, I realized when I, like, really started to reflect back on my life with this new perspective that I had, Mm -hmm. I could start to see, like, oh, man, like, how the hell did I not die right there? Like, and then I realized, like, shit, that must have been God before I even met him, you know? And, And so it's like you know, you realize, like, oh, my God, he was always there. And and so I think that's, like, an effective analogy for kind of describing what happens, you know? It's, like, he's always there, but we're just, you know. Yeah, I feel like, especially, like, I don't know. I feel like for me it was, like, kind of a different experience because I always believed in God. I just had a resentment against him yeah. because of the things that happened in my life. Yeah. So it was more like... I knew of God, and I believed in God, but I didn't think God believed in me. Mm-hmm. I was like, you were always there, you knew everything that was going on, but yet, you still let me suffer mm-hmm. as a blameless child. Yeah. Like, who can be more pure from from sin than a blameless child? Yeah. And that was really how I thought for a really long time. And I used that as, like, yeah. motivation. I mean, that's, like, I think an age-old question, yeah. you know? It's, like, if if there is a God, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Oh, for sure. You know, why doesn't he do something about it? And the best answer I've ever personally heard to that question is, like, well, he did do something about it. He made you. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's up to us to change the world it's it's about the sick helping the sick and the the poor helping the poor and the lame helping the you know what i mean and that's why we have like our our free will yeah god wants us to choose Mm -hmm. the 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 righteous path like not like just like oh i have all this free will let's go cause chaos and and hurt people and bring pain like that's obviously not (laughs) what what the goal is here at, at, at that point, that's when things start to get in your way. You notice that you get stopped a lot. Like, when I'm on that when I'm on that path of just pure destruction, nothing works out for me. Yeah. Well, sometimes I wonder, like, when it comes to free will, because that's a, that's a rabbit hole in itself. <laughs> uh, when it comes to free will... Yeah, right? <laughs> Branding. <laughs> no, but uh, when it comes to free will, like, is there really free will? Is there a neutral is there a neutral territory? Because, 
you know, maybe in one sense, if you're living right and things are going good for you, like, you know, you're living in God's will, you know? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, if you're, if you reject that, you know what I mean? Like, I've heard it termed, like, your character defects are in control. Or your fear is a perfect way to put it. It's like, are you, are you is love in, in control or is fear in control? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, like, you're caught in the middle and you have very little to do with it. No, 100%. And sometimes, I mean, if you, I, I don't know, but for me, my, I'm a very emotional person. I'm, I'm very, like, empathetic as well. So, like, if you're feeling a certain way, then I feel that certain way. Mm. And I don't even know why I'm feeling it. I'm just, like, absorbing your energy and, like, that sucks. But I've been learning to, like, not do that so much. And rather to observe rather than to absorb. But what I was trying to get at was, like, <laughs> well i mean i think to a certain extent everybody's got that a little bit because um mind states are definitely contagious and i see this constantly working in treatment you get like one super negative person and the whole community suffers from it um but i do think there is a limit to to what people will take you know because, like, I recently, we had a couple clients that were, like, really, really extra negative. Some of the most negative clients that I've seen. And, I mean, we, the whole community was up in arms. Like, we were just, like, on a soapbox and just getting everybody all riled up. And it was it was turning into a nightmare. Um, but I would say after, like, two days, maybe three, um, one by one, more and more people were just, like, oh my god just shut up already you know they got bored real quick with it and and then like they started to kind of almost like excommunicate these people and they didn't last long like mm -hmm. but that was that was obvious like we knew that um but as far as like the other people go that's like was the real concern because these people were doing fine before they started getting dragged into it but then they got bored real quick so add for, sure. for the win <laughs> <laughs> add for the win <laughs> No, I mean, like, that definitely happened when I was in rehab. Like, there was this just girl that was just, oh my God, just, like, the most negative person you could possibly ever meet. And you could tell that she had, like, something wrong with her because, like, she couldn't, she literally would go up to grown adults and be like, hey, do you want to pretend to be friends? Like, mm -hmm. there was okay. Like, you could definitely tell, like, as an adult, like, there are some other issues. There are some outside issues going on there. Um, and, you know, she just was so negative all the time to a point where everybody literally just stopped talking to her. Yeah. Like, we just all collectively pretended like she did not exist. Um, she didn't like that very much. Um, to the point that to the next day, she automatically had a behavioral change. Like, completely different person the next day. It was very strange to see somebody's personality completely change like that. Yeah. I mean, it happened in just quick seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, from night to day, one person, like, one super negative person to just, like, a taller, uh, like, a tolerable person to be around. Yeah. Which is freaking weird. <laughs> well, one thing I I can say from my own experience is that wherever I go, I fit in, you know, and so 
if I'm to a, an extent, I feel like in my own opinion. Yeah, I I just I noticed that you know I like whenever I would go into a place and um it was filled with you know people that had like maybe a more negative mind state and and I, when I say negative, I don't even necessarily mean like super pessimistic. I mean more like you know they just had their priorities all screwed up, you know. Mm. And I would go into to a place like that, and I would just like I would just jump right in, you know, and I would be like, you know, before you know it, I'd be like leading the pack and like the bad decision crew, you know, and then, mm-hmm. um, I'd get myself into trouble and everything, and then you know I'd people burn my life down and have to start all over the again. People and, just sit in the back. Yeah. The relapse rope. <laughs> and then like one day I like ended up in a halfway house that was like filled with like a a group of guys that were just like all doing the right thing they all thought that doing the right thing working the program was cool and that's like you know what got you props in the house you know and next thing you know like i got a sponsor for the first time and i'm doing steps for the first time so it's just crazy how like you know the people that are around you like influence you so much Oh, 100%. Like, that's why, you know, you hear it in the rooms all the time. Like, show me um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future or something like that. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, I hear it all the time, especially from, like, old-timers. It's like, you got to stick with the, you got to stick with the quote-unquote winners, whoever the fuck those people are, if they're trying to find them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but th- it, it's, it's true. If you're around people that are doing the wrong thing, you're more than likely going to be doing the wrong thing. Or at least thinking the wrong thing. Yeah. One thing that I'm starting to notice, too, is, like, try making some moves. Try making some big moves and see who supports you and see who doesn't. You know what I mean? Because you'd be surprised at, like, you know, how many people. It's not that they're necessarily negative, but you'd be surprised at how many people just are kind of like, oh, you know, they kind of like. Over it. Yeah, they're like they're loyal to you to like to where you're at like right now and today. Yeah. But when it comes to like making changes and trying to grow, like they're not as interested in that. And so, you know, I'm not saying that these are necessarily bad people, but you know, it's like you if you're going to spend a majority of your time with those type of people, then chances are you're going to like fizzle out because it's super hard to get to get motivated to make a change for for the better. You know, because it's a lot of responsibility, it's a lot of work, it's it's a lot of effort. And so, if you're not constantly being encouraged by, like, the people around you, then um, you're probably, you're probably going to burn out relatively quickly. Oh, 100%. I feel like, you gotta, you gotta be in, in, in this, like, I feel like I've really, like, gotten a kind of grasp on this concept that like I used to burn out so much because I was so focused on getting there that like in the process of getting there like I was just fucking miserable just completely miserable can't even couldn't even like be happy with myself like when I was working at in motion mm-hmm. I was on my way to you know better but in that moment i was so consumed with what my purpose in life was and it's like (laughs) going back to our first topic like having an existential crisis being so 
fully involved and in, engulfed in this emotion and this in this um, cycle because it's a cycle of binging. It just fucking puts you in a loop back to back to back and it just happens over and over and over again. You get deeper and deeper into this thought process. You and, and you slowly get more and more consumed by it. And and you know like I I feel like I have a better understanding of this concept that like I truly I truly do take my days as like I am a spiritual being having a human experience and once I take it from that point of view things don't seem right in this moment they don't seem so dire and so frantic and so like end of the world catastrophe Mm -hmm. Um, so it's easier for me to manage what's going on it's easier for me to make a sound decision um and i don't know i just i feel happier you know yeah there's actually uh, a doctor i think if i'm not mistaken i think his name is joe dispensia could be wrong but um i've seen a few videos on him he's written a couple books and he and he talked about a really interesting concept he talks about how uh what the psychoanalysts consider the subconscious what their studies are showing is there's some evidence that shows that this idea of a subconscious is actually your body and so you know when you are thinking a certain way your your body body actually is responding to those thoughts as if they're really happening and so you know when you are reliving well there this can go in two directions you could you like in this in the case of resentment you know you could be reliving the past Mm -hmm. right but in the case of fear you could be living a imaginary future that's a disaster that hasn't even happened in either case whether you're going uh, into the past via resentment or going to the future via fear your body's having a response your body is responding 